Sources is a podcast made by women for women. We talk with a wide variety of experts, ranging from a sex therapist to the CDC and everywhere in between to bring you the stories you're only going to hear here. Our goal is to entertain and educate because it's more clear now than ever just how much we as women are doing as parents, as spouses, employees, just as everything. Don't miss out on being in the know. Subscribe to Soul Source wherever you listen to podcasts today. Leave us a review too, because this part's really important. When you leave those reviews, that's how we're able to continue bringing you the content you love each and every week. So buckle up, Soul Source Society, because we're about to get started. It's amazing what can happen when you just stop talking and let your kids share with you what's on their mind, what they want to do, how they want to do it. Um, and, and, and it opens that line of communication in a much more equitable way. Hello, everybody. I am your host of Soul Source, Raquel Amell. And today's episode is for all of our mom friends out there. We're talking about mom shaming and why it sucks. I mean, why do we compare ourselves to others? I'm guilty of this. I know so many other moms out there do the same thing. You see a mom. She looks like she has it all together, right? And you look at your messy house and the food in your hair and the stain on your clothes and the screaming child on your hip and you're like, how does she do it? I must be doing something wrong. Well, ladies, today, Lisa Sugarman is joining me. She's a mother of two, now grown daughters, a former teacher, an author. She's a radio show host. She aims to help parents embrace the perfectly imperfectness of life and welcome the mistakes made along the way. Lisa, I'm happy you're here to talk with me today. Welcome to Soul Source. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I love these kinds of conversations that just kind of strip away all the garbage and just let us focus on what's important. Oh, yeah. So, okay. I gave a little brief overview. You're you're an author, a humor columnist, a radio show host, and a parent. So what made you want to try to help other parents? How did you get into that sphere? You know, I, I got into it really pretty organically. Um, it, I kind of fell into it. Um, I mean, I've been a writer my whole life. It's what I went to school for. It's what I, I did in the years before I had kids. And then when my husband and I had kids, you know, you just kind of reinvent yourself a little bit along the way. And, and I ended up just kind of falling into an opportunity working in my now my oldest school system. And I, I ended up co-teaching kindergarten. And it was just a random thing that popped up out of nowhere. I grabbed it. I loved it. I was in the same school as my daughter and my other daughter, our, our youngest was up and coming. So all three of us were there at the same time. And I, I just, you know, the more I, I got involved working with parents and working with children and in kind of the whole family system, the more you realize when you see it out there in kind of like in real life, the more you realize just how completely overwhelmed parents are moms in particular because you know the population is definitely more mom centric people are just so overwhelmed by comparing themselves to everybody and and worrying about if their kids are are measuring up and worrying if they're measuring up and and it just got to the point where i just saw all the toxicity that was kind of always floating around and it just seemed like such a waste of energy to focus on on what somebody else is doing and how they're doing it because it doesn't translate to our families. It doesn't translate to our, us as parents or our kids. So I, I just really got inspired to, to communicate with, with the whole parent community about what a myth all that is and what crap it is to try and you know keep up with, with all of it. And I just started writing about it and people just started really 
connecting with it and it resonated with a lot of people. And, and, you know, the more people reached out to me, the more I kept writing and, and columns turned into books and I ended up on the radio and, and it all just kind of fell together. It's well, you're doing, you're doing a real talk. And that's the, that's the thing is so many parents can relate to that. So how much pressure is on parents right now? We talked a little bit about it and now, you know, in the world of social media and everything went virtual the last two years with COVID. So it's even more online. How much pressure is on parents to try to be that perfect parent? Way, way too much. It's it's everywhere. And, you know, and all that pressure that that parents are feeling about being like that perfect mom or that perfect dad or perfect caregiver um, is is just trickling down onto their kids in really, really unhealthy ways. And, you know, kids kids are are developing anxieties and stresses that they never had before because they've been so affected by their their parents pressure and and it's hard because kids are also now walking around without any coping skills because their parents are you know micromanaging them or helicoptering them and 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 they're doing it from from a, a place of love and of care because no parent wants to see their kid fall on their face or fail but kids aren't given the chance anymore to build any kind of real resilience and they're not learning how to fail or how to fall and navigate. And, and so I think it all just kind of points straight back to this pressure that's, that's being put on them to be perfect. So it's everywhere. Can you emphasize on that a little more? Talk to me a little bit more about not kids, not having that opportunity to, to fail. Why do you explain that a little more to me, please? Because I just, from my perspective, now keep in mind, I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. Um, you know, I, I have no formal training other than having, you know, been a mom for 25 years, being in the school system as a coach. And, and I've been writing about parenting now for, for decades. But I, I mean, what I kept seeing was just parents stepping in and, and taking over and controlling situations that we should be letting our kids control. Like if, if you, if you got a crappy grade on a test, mm-hmm. if you were, if you're, if you're a, a fifth grader or a sixth grader, you come home and you, you bring that, that bad test score home, mm-hmm. you've got parents that are immediately, you know, grabbing their computers or grabbing the telephone and they're calling teachers and they're having these conversations when it should be, it should be the child who's sitting down with a teacher and, and saying, can you explain to me where I went wrong or what, what do I need to do to, to, to do better the next time? Um, you know, what kind of strategies do you have? Kids, kids who are having problems with other kids on the playground or, um, you know, on a sports team or in the classroom and parents are just, just leaping in to solve all these problems. So they're kind of lawn mowing everything around their child just to make sure that their kids aren't dealing with anything that's, that's hard or that's, challenging and it's upsetting and so it's it's kind of it's removing the onus from the kids and so now they're left in situations where when they have to talk to someone or have to navigate through a loss or or you know um you know some kind of a challenge they can't because they don't have the skills to do it they can't speak for themselves um they can't do for themselves you know how many kids i've seen walk in with like the shoebox diorama that looks like it looks like van gogh did it you know what I mean? Because the parents sat there for four hours and did it and the kid had nothing to do with it. So it's, it's oh. stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm following here, but I want you to connect the dots. So, um, you know, you have parents stepping in, 
protecting their kids to some degree, but how does that play into that pressure to be perfect that parents feel too? Because they're connected, aren't they? Well, because our kids are, yeah, they're totally connected because if you think of it this way, you're, you're a parent, right? Mm-hmm. You've got a child who, whether it's academically or socially, or, um, you know, maybe they're on a sports team or a club and, and they fail, that's a reflection on you. And a lot of parents internalize that reflection. They're like, wait, 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 my, my kid didn't get into a good school or my kid didn't get on a good team or my kid isn't, you know, in the long list of honor roll students in the newspaper. Well, that's a reflection on you. So that's where I think a lot of this intensity is, is rooted because parents are, are attaching themselves to the accomplishments or failures of our kids in ways that we shouldn't be. And that's, that's where things get, get kind of um, foggy. Because when you when you do that too much, then all of a sudden you're you're not looking out for the best interest of your child. You're actually trying to kind of massage your own ego and make sure your kid is, you know, kind of at the top of the, the heap. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for putting that all together for uh, me. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so how do we stop? How do we stop doing that? Because it's a cycle, a vicious one. Yeah, you know, um, I I think. I think, first of all, a lot of it is self-awareness. I think we're actually most of it is self-awareness. Um, I think that when we see ourselves stepping in or, or, or feel ourselves with the urge to step in, we, we need to kind of bite that back a lot more and talk to our kids directly about how they can advocate for themselves or push forward for themselves. And then give them the skills to do it instead of just swooping in and doing it for them. That's, I think that's, you know, that's how we start at least. Self-awareness is key. I want to talk about something that, that you talk about a lot and, and it's called EQ versus IQ. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, e- EQ, I, I do talk about this a lot. Um, and I think everybody knows what IQ is. It's your intelligence quotient. It's how you measure um, on, on an academic test that you would take. And so that's always been in the mainstream. And it's been in the mainstream for a really, really long time. But EQ is something a little different. And it's something that's kind of come, come uh, into the forefront um, more, way more recently. And it has to do with our emotional quotient, the way that the way that you can sit and have a conversation with someone, the way that you know how to make eye contact or don't know how to make eye contact, the way that you know how to be um, an empathetic or a sympathetic listener or a good friend or, or know how to collaborate. And so we, I have a whole chapter. Um, we have a chapter in our book about EQ and IQ because we thought it was, it was so important and so relevant because so many parents in particular put such a huge emphasis on, on like, what's your SAT score or how did you do in the MCAS or how did you, you know, all of your standardized testing scores. And those things are valuable. They're obviously, they're important, but in a lot of ways, they're not going to take our kids as far as those social emotional skills. Because like, if, if you've got a crazy high IQ, you've got a 170 IQ, but you can't work with someone and, and collaborate with someone or communicate with someone, you're kind of screwed. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't make a difference, you know, how, how well you can do on paper if you can't, um, if you can't kind of translate that to, to day-to-day life. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I talk, I, I kind of say very openly in, in the book that um, if I had to pick and choose, 
like, do I want a child that has a high IQ or a high EQ? I would 1000% say, give me the kid with the high EQ because you can, you can learn most anything, but okay. something like that emotional quotient, even though a lot of those emotional skills are, we, we teach our kids those things, but there's, there's an internal piece that, you know, you, you kids are born with, you know, with, with a big heart or, you know, an empathetic side or, or that, that extra dose of kindness. And so that's, that's kind of already pre-wired. And I think it's just so important. Um, you know, I think it can, it can take you, I think a lot further in the long run. How can parents kind of feed that EQ piece a little bit? How do you help your kids along that, that road? I, I think it's modeling. It's how we help our kids in, in, in every capacity as a parent. We model it at home with each other. If you have a, a partner or a spouse, you model it with family members. You, um, you, you teach your kids to, to, ask, um, to ask their friends if they're okay. You teach your kids to, to be kind, to, to go the extra mile for someone, to put themselves out, to be selfless, to be grateful. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's not just about telling them to do those things or even explaining to them what those things are, but it's about like, how can we do that together as, um, as parents and children, or how can you do that as, you know, as your own unique individual? So I think it's just a a lot of like talk and, and, and communicating and supported by going out in the world, um, and, you know, and, and using those skills, kind of, you know, in the real world. I want to also talk about, you know, so we're helping our kids emotionally, intelligently, don't internalize, not being perfect. Um, Screw-ups are going to happen. You got a sign behind you. It is what it is. I mean, what, how, how can moms, like, how do you cope with that when you do fail as a parent? What does that look like? And and what can be done? Or how do you, how do you work through that? It, you know, it looks horrible. I mean, it looks messy. It's, it's, it's disappointing. It kind of chips away at your confidence, but at the same time too, there are massive benefits in, within those screw ups. And, and that's why I tend to celebrate those things way more than I celebrate those big wins that we all love that are beautiful and, and, you know, they're, they're meaningful, but at the end of the day, what's most important is is knowing that like, you know, I gave the test analogy before, if your kid comes home and, and, and they flunked a test, how do you learn from that? What are you going to do about that? How, how do you, how do you pick yourself up and move forward? Or, or in the case of, of a mom, like how many times have we had our day laid out like on paper perfectly and we were late to everything and we forgot all the things and somebody threw up and so, you know, and, and yeah. you know, we, we popped a tire in the car, like all, all the things that could happen, but it's, it's how we handle ourselves in those moments, not just as, as human beings on our own, but in front of our kids, because we always have two choices. And I think this is, this is what, um, what it all boils down to with those screw ups. We always have a choice. What do we do with it? Do we react badly to it or do we see it for what it is? Do we take it as an opportunity to learn how to course correct and then figure out how to, how to kind of backpedal a little bit and pivot and do something a different way and, and maybe challenge ourselves in another way. And that's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's how we become resilient. So those, those screw ups, I think are more important than, than almost anything, because if you're, if you're in a situation, like 
if you're um, a parent or if you're a child and you're you're not used to being confronted by failure, you didn't get the job or um, you know whatever that massive failure is, you have no skills to 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 deal with it. So you're, it's going to incapacitate you, and you're you're not going to be able to move forward. So it's um, it's having those experiences of of the stuff that goes wrong and being able to kind of laugh at it because like, you know, like you, you know, as well as anybody as a parent, like you got to laugh at your life. I mean, you got to <laughs> laugh at your life as a parent because like the whole, everything that will go wrong, what could go wrong, will go wrong is like mm-hmm. a day-to-day event because, um, I, you know, I think most of us spend most of our time on the other side of that in the chaos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're preaching to the choir right now. Let me tell you, my life is I feel like it's blowing up right now. We just moved into a new house a few months ago and I'm having we're having major like pump sewer. The basement's going to be blown up is what's going to have to happen. And it's like we've been in the house for three months and it's just like that on top of the, you know, my son's going to be a year old in, in a couple of weeks. I'm trying to have a birthday party for him. And it's like, how are you going to have his first birthday party when your house is being ripped up? Oh, my God. <laughs> Everything that could go wrong. Yeah, you're in the thick of it for sure. So, okay, so we talked about like parents trying to measure up, but then you have, you know, you have days where kids are misbehaving, right? And they're just not, they're not being good. They're not doing what you want them to do. How can um, parents handle that? Um, Well, I think, you know, one of two ways you can either, you can either lose it all over them, which does absolutely nothing, but just fire everybody up and, and put everybody in opposite places and get everybody in a terrible mood. Or you can, you can sit down and try and have a conversation and and it's age appropriate. Like little kids, like for instance, like yours is a year old. You said you're not gonna be able to sit down and have like a rational conversation with them. But I mean, at the same time, um, you know, I think keeping our cool and, and it's not what we say, it's how we say it. That translates across every age range. It's not just, you know, having those, conversations with your your teen or your you know your adult child like I have it's all about how we interact with our kids and and being patient and and kind of leading with positivity versus you know attacking them when something goes wrong and being like you just screwed that up or you just pissed me off or you know you just did the wrong thing we we can't we can't expect to gain much ground when we do that. So it's really, I think all in our approach, um, really just like sit them down and, and as easily as you can and as gently as you can ask them to tell you where they think things kind of went off the rails, um, you know, and, and how could they do something different? Like put it back onto them. That's the, that's the thing that I found as a parent. And I wished I'd learned it earlier on. It's like when you, really engage your kids in the conversation and ask them to think about what you're saying. That's, that yields some pretty amazing results when, you know, it's, it's like when you give the child a choice in a situation, when they're going to make a really bad choice, like there's going to be a consequence, like you've got the choice. This is what will happen in this case. And this is what will happen if you choose the other thing. And it's up to you. And when we empower our kids like that, um, it's, it's actually, it's, it's so beneficial for them and so beneficial for us because it kind of, it, it shares the responsibility. So I, I think if we're gentle in the way that we talk to our kids when they screw things up <laughs> or they piss us off, um, <laughs> I think the result will be a lot calmer. 
Do you think some of that is parents maybe not giving, like, you don't give your kids enough benefit of the doubt that they're going to make the right choices, or is it playing to that a little bit? Totally. Yeah. Oh, way more than I think people people expect. Like, they they really, I don't know about, about you, but my kids are constantly, even at this age, and they're grown women now at this point, they they still blow me away by what they're capable of. And, and it's sometimes it's a matter of us saying to them, like, how can I help you? What do you need from me? And that creates an internal dialogue with them where they get to actually think about that. And, and they, they get to, um, you know, they get to, to work with us in, in trying to accomplish what they need to accomplish. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's like it's a learning experience. So you're developing that emotional skill, the, the critical thinking skills, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. OK, moms out there, if they're listening to this, we're coming close to our time here. So I want to ask you, Lisa, one thing a mom could take away from our conversation. What is your number one thing you wanted to walk away with today? My number one thing would be to shut up and listen an awful lot more than we do. Um, I think we pretty consistently are the ones that are always doing all the talking as parents. I, I mean, I definitely know I'm guilty of it so much. And it's amazing what can happen. And this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about a minute ago. It's amazing what can happen when you just stop talking and let your kids share with you what's on their mind, what they want to do, how they want to do it. Um, and, and, and it opens that line of communication in a much more equitable way. So, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to, to be a good listener when you don't stop talking. And mm-hmm. it's amazing what your kids will actually say when you call them out in, in a good way, like when, when you ask. So that's, that's the biggest thing. I think we always feel like we have to have the last word, but we don't, we absolutely don't. And we can accomplish a lot by, by just kind of stopping and listening. It's amazing how simple it is and how often we just don't do it. It's so smart. Yeah. So, okay. I mentioned you have a book. I mentioned you have a radio show. Tell me about those, how people can find you, find those things. Tell me Yeah. So the book, um, the book came out right around pandemic time. Um, so which is always the best time in the world to launch a book. Uh, it's called (laughs) how to raise perfectly imperfect kids and be okay with it. And, um, something, it was something a little different that I did this time that I hadn't done before. Um, the books that I've written before I've written on my own. And this time I brought in a really great old friend of mine. We've been friends since the fourth grade. She's a clinical psychologist, uh, psychotherapist, uh, here in the Boston area. And she has a, a, a practice, a clinical practice. So she and I wrote a book together that really, she kind of supports everything that I'm talking about as a soccer mom. She okay. supports that on the clinical side, which is very cool because we kind of both come together around a very humanistic view of parenting. It's really just a common sense parenting. So uh, that book is out. It's out everywhere. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, everywhere books are sold and found. Um, you can go to my, my website, lisasugarman.com, find out all about our radio show. Um, we are on iTunes and on iHeartRadio. It's called Life Unfiltered. It's um, just kind of a it's it's just kind of a, a random stream of consciousness about life. It's it, it definitely with a heavy influence on parenting and family life. 
um, and work-life balance because we're both working moms. We both have uh, five kids between us. So um, you can find all of our past episodes and then my, my columns are all over the place. Um, they're uh, on Healthline Parenthood and Grown and Flown and um, Little Things and um, Today Parents. So all over the place. Awesome. Lisa, I will have the link to your website on our like show notes here for the podcast so people can go and check that out and find out more to the radio show and for the book. As you heard her say, go check that stuff out, guys. There's a lot of good information out there from Lisa. And thank you for being here today, sharing your insights. I know this was just a tidbit of what you talk about all the time, but this was really helpful. Oh, I'm glad. I appreciate the chance to be here. This was great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. And if you want to hear more Soul Source, just subscribe to our show. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can watch us too. We're on YouTube. Just look for Soul Source. Soul Source is brought to you by Red Shoes Inc., a leading agency specializing in crisis and strategic communications, media relations, social media, and so much more. To learn more about Soul Source and Red Shoes, visit us at redshoesinc.com. <laughs>